welcome to episode two of So What's New in the Biscuit Tin. I'm Jess. I'm Sam. And we are just two service chatting about life. How are you, Sam? So what's new? Um, I've been thinking about my mate nine. It's that time of year and I've been really having to think about what to do. How about you? Uh, similar, mate nine. And also very soon I will be doing my first trip wedding dress looking and fabric shopping with my mum which yeah. I'm very excited about I'm plan is so far and if you own a wedding dress shop close your ears because I know I'm not meant to do this I'm <laughs> going to try on loads of dresses take pictures of all the bits I like and then go to the fabric shop and look at what I want to get um, uh, that, I don't you know I know they might think it matters but it doesn't you've got you've got to do your research haven't you you know oh yeah I just don't want them to like kick me out if they think I'm stealing their dresses because I'm not like I don't care about the individual dresses I just want to see how as a five foot two woman I want to see how much yeah. tool is reasonable before yeah. I start looking like a type of meringue um, <laughs> <laughs> and you might be very exciting it's good at what you like as well you just don't know do you well exactly and also frankly there's so few times in my life I will wear a dress like this that I absolutely am going to try on all the silly ones just for a laugh. You to. Yeah, you might surprise oh, yeah. yourself. You just don't know. It's also going to be the only way I get my sisters in. My sisters aren't champion shoppers. Me and my mum have got stamina, whereas my <laughs> sisters get bored after about an hour. So I'm going to have to inject some comedy every now and then and try on oh, some yeah. Yeah, you're going to keep them going, yeah. Well, exactly. But yeah, it's that and the Make 9 and thinking about bridesmaids' dresses as well, which I have to start making because I'm an idiot and I'm making a lot. Uh, but I'm excited. So suggestions. Yeah, it, it's, you'll enjoy dresses. it, but I'm pretty sure you'll be peak stress at some point, which will probably mean a lot of biscuit consumption, won't it, Jess? I think so. It, I mean, it always has in the past. <laughs> so what biscuits are you eating today? Uh, I am eating Maryland chocolate chip cookies, obviously not the hazelnut ones because I'm very allergic, but Ooh. the classic red packet ones. Um, I'll be honest, you cannot leave a packet with me because I can't have like two. It's a really, it's an all or none scenario. But they um, are pretty like all or none, aren't they? I, I'm, I, I, you know, as, as biscuits go, that's probably my major weakness, hence why I uh, see myself as a chocolate chip cookie. But today <laughs> I've gone more regal. I've gone for a Viscount in its green foil Ooh. wrapper. Um, I, I don't know if it's verging on not really being a biscuit because it's obviously individually wrapped and has that little mint layer on the top. But I, I think it's thing. allowed. I think it's allowed. Should I, I tell you about when I was a biscuit? Yeah, when I was a kid at school, many, many moons ago, you knew if it was a special day when you opened your lunchbox and there was a Viscount in there. Oh, <laughs> I think of them, the M&S biscuit selections like that. Yeah. You know, you know the ones where you get the trays of biscuits from M&S and they've got like yeah. those cartwheel-like chocolate ones that are way more chocolate than biscuit? Yep. As a kid, I was like, oh, my God, it's a special day. <laughs> <This book's laughs> <come> <laughs> the, the staple was like a club. I don't know if you can still buy club. Like, they're more like yeah, a Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do. every now and again, my mum would just surprise me in my lunchbox with a Viscount. And, and it was just, you know, it was best day ever when that happened in your lunchbox. So. I used to love it. Oh, I still do love and, frankly, cannot be left alone with the dark chocolate Kit Kat. They're yeah, so good. So I don't, um, normal Kit Kats are very sugary and I can sort of, I have a travel routine where if I go on a plane or a long distance train, I off the buffet car or whatever comes past, I will get a 
four finger Kit Kat and a cup of tea. But that's sort of like a, I don't know, I've been doing that for the last like, I don't know, how old am I? 15 years. Um, so for me, that's like, okay, the journey is fine. I've had my Kit Kat. But in day-to-day -day life, they're too sweet. I don't know if it's because I'm exhausted traveling and I'm like, right, I need one. <laughs> um, but normally I'm like, oh my God, it's so saccharine. For me, a Kit Kat is too much wafer and not enough chocolate. And I only love a Kit Kat when I get one of those accidental ones where it's solid chocolate. <laughs> and I come to realise that I shouldn't just be eating Kit Kats waiting for the accidental solid chocolate one. I should probably choose a different <laughs> chocolate bar. No, that is definitely what Nestle are hoping you will do. <laughs> They're going, you know, every now and then you'll get one you like. You should keep buying them. You're basically doing lottery tickets, but with Kit Kats. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I was playing constant, like my version of roulette with myself buying Kit Kat. So uh, <laughs> I've, decided to, I've decided to diversify away from that now. Um, we love that. But you see, um, you talk about tea and a and like a, a, a sweet treat with a cup of tea i don't understand that because i don't drink tea but you i live with someone who, who saves a cadbury's cream egg to eat with a cup of tea so to me that's a completely alien concept i just don't know to me that's wrong as well though because like so i don't dip biscuits in my tea i sort of have them as separate things but on a on a journey, I will have them together as a I need caffeine and sugar as a pick me up. But like right yeah. now, I have a biscuit and I have a cup of tea, but they're very much being eaten one than the other. Oh, uh, yeah. See, I just biscuits for me is like a solo enterprise. It's not connected to any <laughs> type of drink. <laughs> I have to say, though, I cream eggs for me are a solo enterprise, ideally in multiple. Um, yeah. Because the idea of having something hot while you have a cream egg is really weird to me. Well, I will interrogate the, the the person who enjoys this further to ask what what the pleasurable experience is about eating that. Then, and could you also ask them if you know if, if they're okay? Like, yeah. is everything fine? I, think I would know the answer to that question. <laughs> now, folks, although it may seem the opposite, we are not just going to talk about biscuits. Uh, what are we talking about today, Sam? Today we are talking about sewing mojo, uh, sort of like FOMO mojo. So for anyone who's not sure what I'm talking about, it's when you lose the motivation to want to sew. And it might be you just don't want to do it or you get stuck and can't get going again. But often referred to in the sewing community as losing your sewing mojo. Or sojo for short, which is one oh, of my, my favourite goodness. short names. <laughs> <laughs> when I don't know when do you lose your like your sojo oh, it's tricky isn't it I mean I've thought about this a lot and I think I, I suspect our episode will go in many directions um but mine often comes when I've sewn something that's quite hard and I have really high hopes and I've put all my focus and effort into it and then it just doesn't turn out to meet my expectations mm, that's a big one that yeah. is that sort of feeling of, oh, and it leaves yeah. you not really willing to try again in some ways. You just feel a bit meh when you look at it in the mirror. I don't know how else to describe it, really. It's not you don't hate it. You don't, you know, think this doesn't suit me, but it just doesn't create the it's sense of motivation. Right. Yeah, it's just not yeah. right. It's not a put it on and leap around the room waiting for applause moment, which I normally have exactly. when I make something and I'm proud of it. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, it's completely true. I had that with my Friday Pattern Company Davenport. It's beautifully made. I just hate it. I just mm. put it on and I was like, I look like an aunt in Jane Austen. Like, this is not me. And the mm. thing is, I can think of so many people who would look lovely in it, but I'm just not one of them. Mm. But I bought the pattern and I did it as a gifted project. I was like, as in I was gifted the fabric and like, I was really excited. And then it just didn't work out. So yeah. for like a good couple of weeks, I was like, I just don't fancy sewing now. Yeah. So this beautiful summer dress which looked lovely on the packet it was a big four pattern it looked lovely on the packet so it was like a sort of a bodice with buttons all the way down the front into the sort of flared skirt with like straps um yeah. and it had i think they i think they're called princess seams where you have like the side panels and the front panels oh yeah, yeah. and i made it in a vintage sheet that had never been out of the packet um uh -huh. and it was like all these blues and floral um and um i took ages over it. i even put in rickrack along the top of the body so just like the, the bumps were poking out yeah and i even sewed in the inside of the bodice carefully because it was like lined and i you know really took my time really and i took all time. the measurements first even though on the big four you've got to find them on the pattern haven't you the finished measurements yeah. <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> i even graded out at the waist you know so i didn't even do that thing of going i think this is my size i really actually yeah, tried actually to my size like... and then i put it on and weirdly the front like bodice at the top overlapped way more than the rest of it and I was like, oh no. And then I just looked at it on me and I went, why does this not look how I think it was going to look? <laughs> and I was like, no, okay. definitely. But that's one of the big things. And actually, what I did with my Davenport is got annoyed and wrote a blog post about it. It did help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was great, actually. It was I the dress up and put it in a box for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I, I wrote, it was a gifted project for Lush Cloth. And oh, yeah, and it's fabulous. I've worked for you know since and she's great um but i was like oh yeah, i'm really sorry i just hate it your fabric's beautiful but i hate it can i write something else mm. like about the project and she was like yeah sure so i ended up writing a blog because the fact is the one downside of sewing is you can't try it on first no so it's a really know. interesting thing and i watched last year 2023 at the end of last year i watched alex judge sews and she was she's been doing um i think it's called the curated closet or something and she actually went back to the shops and tried things on to see if some of the things that she thought she was going to sew that would look right on her actually in ready to wear would they and she was surprised herself herself with what did and didn't suit her anymore and i think <laughs> you're right if if like you and i if people are like you and i and we mostly only sew our own clothes I don't know if I a style I haven't worn suits me or not. And I might see it on other sewists and, th and you know, watching lovely people on YouTube and looking at them on Instagram and thinking, oh, similar-ish type body shape or whatever. And you have hmm. a look, don't you? And you look through the hashtag on Instagram to get an idea. Always. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> the reality of what actually really suits ourselves, and it can be uh, right down to colouring of the, the fabric and everything, can't it? Mm. And yeah there's so many things that can affect an out you know something you say and make you feel a bit meh at the end of it i think it's a really definitely <laughs> and i think there is an inverse relationship as well the more effort you put in 
if you're mad about it, the less you end up liking it. And then actually there's, there's a level of sewing where, so I am going to get a bit, uh, academic here because, um, for anyone who doesn't know, I do a PhD, um, and I look at, I look at ultra running, but a lot of my research looks around leisure and there is a thing called expectancy value motivation, which Ooh. is where you do something because you think it's going to go well. And when it doesn't, you basically don't want to do it ever again. Mm. So we sew because, you know, we enjoy it. But when you're making a garment and you go, great, that looks fabulous and everyone else, you are expecting it to turn out well. And when it does, you go, hooray, I knew this would happen. But when it doesn't, you go, oh, and you suddenly feel disconnected from your, your leisure community as well because you go, why does mm. it work for everyone else and not me? What's mm. wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. It's just not all clothes fit us or yeah. work for us or like them. I hate anything. Um, what, what is it? Um, uh, Wilder Gown. Oh, the wild again. No, I can't go near that. The gathering just will not work for me. I'm just very no, like that. As a curvy woman, I will look like a small tent. There yep. is no reason for, I, it will go out over my bust and it yep. just won't come back and in. And it just again. never comes what? back in again. No, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And you're like, right. I'm just and, not doing it. No, and I absolutely appreciate the beauty of that dress. Oh, and my God. Yeah. It looks some of them so beautiful. Make, but you're right, there's but, definitely, back to what you said about the expectancy value, and I've thought about this quite a bit, and I was thinking back to when I used to buy ready-to-wear, because for most mm. of my clothes were in life, that's what I did, and actually, I didn't expect every ready-to-wear item that I bought to bring ultimate joy, no. because if you think about it, we would buy the those best outfits to go to a party or for an interview, and they're the ones that brought peak joy and and you know the whole like don't leave it hanging in the wardrobe thing which we all end up doing but actually our everyday wear we would buy you know the plain black trousers the the navy pencil skirt the the plain undertops or whatever and we didn't buy them to bring joy we bought them because we needed those practical things in our wardrobe exactly and, and then, that's also a reason to sew though we should yes. say like you know sometimes you just need something and you can't find it so you got to make it yeah and i and i've begun to to you know change my perception of my sewing because although as i've said before i want to create a wardrobe that brings me joy and is the clothes i want to wear all the time whether i'm at home or out but that still doesn't mean every single one of them needs to be uniquely joyful on its own it is okay to sew like a plain blue freya undertop <laughs> and so i yeah. really changed my perception about the expectation around some of the things I sew and I think that manages when you manage your expectation but I also think that expectation value is because a lot of us sew as our th form of like wellness support like you were Absolutely. saying one this helps you to not think about work and I used to and still do build lego to help me with that it's one of the only things where I can shut my brain off and which so is I brilliant <laughs> I love it I and love I that yeah, I love building Lego. Maybe at some point I'll share some stuff on Insta and people can have a look. Yeah. But when I build Lego, yeah. they've already they've already planned it through for me. So I enjoy the build and I enjoy the putting the pieces together and how they've used the pieces. And it's never like a 3D really about, jigsaw. Yes. And it's never really about the finished product. I, the, my enjoyment is in the build. So I've mm. I decided to take that from my Lego building into my sewing to to help with not getting so much 
sewing mojo when when I struggle and really enjoying the construction and the 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 beauty in the detail of using things like my variegated overlocker thread Uh inside because then when I look inside a jumper or like the accidental jumper where it ended (laughs) up on the outside (laughs) but it looks fun yes but there's a joy in that even if I'm sewing something that is a straightforward plain green jumper and that's what I've oh, exactly you know I think to help and me with I would, the I'd say that's really interesting as well because it is sort of the taking the joy in the little bits I think there's also though a, another side for me where I lose my motivation which is sometimes when I have too much to sew Mm. or I am avoiding a bit of a project. So, Mm -hmm. for example, anyone who has followed me for a while will remember that I was making my dad a shirt for Christmas, and the first time I cut it out, I've never cut out something so badly in my entire life. I don't know what, it was awful. And the problem was it was a checked fabric. So when it when it goes wrong it goes really really wrong you're like i just can't use it It doesn't even look deliberate and like i'd managed to cut some stuff the wrong size that taught me to never cut without a decent light on in the winter um and it's a dark fabric as well and it do you know what i then put off sewing it for six months to but i bought new fabric and everything ready to do Mm. it but i almost couldn't stomach it and then when i was making it i was kind of so scared of like getting the cuffs wrong it took me a couple of months to build up to it yeah but I didn't want to sew anything else because I was like no if I'm sewing I should really be doing this yeah so then you get the guilt don't you and I I equate that to like when I was a teacher and I used to bring home like at the weekends or in the holidays like a big box of stuff in the boot of things to do and I wouldn't take it out of the boot and it would sit there taunting me. And through the entire like half term holiday or whatever, I would remember that in the boot was the jobs that needed to be done. And I would do everything I could to avoid them. But it was there hanging over me the whole time. And it is like a sewing project, isn't it, that you want to do, but you know is hard and it taunts you. And then you create, create like a sense of paralysis then, doesn't it? exactly or if you've just got too many things you could sew sometimes I find that really hard where it's like oh I could do this I could do this or this and then I just don't know what I want to do and then I just go and sit and don't sew because I feel a bit overwhelmed I used to get like that and I worked I had to I had to work a way through that I was definitely struggling with that um and I think particularly I don't know what you're like with your fabric shopping but because I buy fabric because I love it not because I've got a particular project in mind it's easier to get in that mode because you feel like you've got to use it. Do you buy fabric specifically or do you just have lots of fabric? I would say a bit of both. I'm getting a lot better at not buying fabric without a plan. I rarely, like I bought some fabric the other day that matches my engagement ring, literally because I loved it. (laughs) However, I also bought that knowing that I need to wear something to my sister-in-law's wedding in May. And I can make something out of that fabric, whether it's another slip dress or it's something more ambitious. The way I was like, right, I'm going to buy this, but I don't have room for fabric to just sit in my house. Mm. Like we don't have space. Um, And I think that's been really helpful in a way. So it was sort of, I don't have an exact plan, but I'm like, right, whatever I wear to Suzanne's wedding will be in that fabric. Yeah, that's 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 a good way. I do think that having I'd be really interested. I think we've got a whole episode coming about fabric stash, so I won't talk about yeah, it we do. now. But I do think it can create a sense of 
fabric paralysis, I think. Um, I'm going to offer a, 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 an interesting thought, which is I think maybe sometimes Sojo comes from over sewing and actually we should take a break. Yes, I would also agree with that, though. I think sometimes, particularly for, I found this the year I sewed everybody Christmas presents. I was just mm. done. <laughs> I was exhausted. Yeah. I had done so much and I actually couldn't be creative. Yeah. Because yep. my brain was just frazzled. And actually, do you know the way I got out of that? Um, Sister Minturka ran a challenge at the time that was slow sewing. And it was basically like post a photo every day of your progress on a project. Mm. And you don't have to finish it. It was like seven days. And it was like, you don't have to finish it. You're just showing a snapshot of what you're doing. So I went, I'm going to make like a T-shirt. I think I made the Tilly the Button spray, actually, which worked out really, really badly. But it was fine because <laughs> it was something. And sometimes that's yeah. the other thing. I think you just need to sew something. Like I think of them as palette cleansers. Yes, me too. Yeah. Where it's just something that you need and you want. Doesn't take much brain power. And it's a quick win. Yeah, some people call those tried and tested, don't they? Uh, TNT. They do, but I think yeah. I think, I, that I think encompasses my, more, though. Yeah, I like to think that I've got certain things that are my like they're the ones that I know I will feel success with, and yes. I know that if I'm struggling, if I go back to something that I will get success with. So either a pattern I've said before, or from um, a pattern company that I know always works for me or a more straightforward pattern that that's you know like a t-shirt's fairly forgiving um, in terms of you know fitting and things I think it just gives you that chance to it just lifts you back up again doesn't it yeah definitely and I think as well knowing I so I got this with um, I've never made much of a secret about the fact that Tilly and the Buttons patterns don't fit my body that's no, fine neither. they fit other people's completely fair you know not not trashing it or anything but they don't and it's relevant to the story because i was looking for a quick palette cleanser make and someone was like oh try the oh what is it there's sophia sophia trousers in the make it simple book lots of you will have made them and i went oh brilliant yeah they're just a pair of elasticated trousers let's let's give those a go and i'm not kidding i was like oh nice quick done nothing has ever fitted me as badly and made me feel worse <laughs> so if you're looking for a palette cleanser do something you've made before i think definitely or from a pattern company where every time you make something you know it works it fits. As well. yeah like, i get this with size me sewing so if i needed a palette cleanser right now i would make like a florence boxy tee or i'd make the new mm. seren trousers something that i know like my seren trousers i haven't taken them off pretty much since i pattern tested them yeah they're great and i know i want another pair but also they took me i think including cutting out they took me 45 minutes to make that's great isn't it and that, and that is exactly what you need i think and it was quite interesting that i was looking for this because you know i think we all experience it and i was searching for advice and one of the things i saw was do something else creative yes i've seen this yeah and you know for me and i think that really varies from person to person but the suggestion was actually like cook yourself a lovely meal um for mm. me that might be going back to like painting or embroidery because i i actually like the embroidery patterns where someone's already designed it all for you 
And yes, I, I, I felt like a bit those. odd when I first did them because when I first started doing them, I'd never, I, I spent all, all the rest of my life never doing those because I'm quite a creative person. I've always sort of gone quite sort of off on my own tangents with things. And I, I felt quite odd because I didn't know how I felt about sewing something where I was literally following a pattern. And then I thought, hang on a minute, how is that different from building Lego? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I realized that actually, for me, the joy was in the creating, but not having to think of every element of the creation. Because sometimes yeah. when I am creating like a painting from scratch or something like that, as you say, there's there's so much going on in your brain around your expectations of what you're going to create and how on, on, a, on a flat surface you create this vision that's in your mind. There's so many risks of, of it, it going in many directions of success and failure that actually sometimes we just want something a bit safer. And I love doing the embroideries because A, they're really portable, but also mm. I've got a, a much higher chance of success. <laughs> and well, I need exactly. that sometimes in my and life. And I think I it's the chance of success that's the big thing when you don't have motivation. You need to feel good. Yeah. And, and you I need do. To I need to, to do your craft. Yeah, and I think other advice is things like tidying and organising. I was going to say, yeah. I find tidying my sewing room hugely beneficial, not only because it's good to remind yourself what you actually have in there, particularly for fabric, but also it is incredible how much a messy room can sap your motivation because you can look <laughs> at it and be like, oh, I don't want to be in here because it's a tip. I'll actually completely disagree with you there. Really? <laughs> I I tidy up in between projects and I do make quite a bit of mess, like when I'm doing a more creative uh, version of sewing um, mm. rather than the straightforward make. But actually, the rest of my family find it really hard sometimes to understand how I can operate in the space that I'm in. <laughs> and I think me, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and for me, it's absolutely fine because I know where everything is. If you came right now and uh, into my space and you asked me where something was I could tell you exactly where it was and my colleagues used to tease me about this because my teacher cupboards used to be quite messy but I would go mm. what you need is on top of the green folder back left top right you know yeah like, <laughs> and you know, and I think that's really interesting though but I also think it depends on the size of your space so for yes. example my <laughs> desk at work the messier it is the more organized my brain is if my mm. desk is clear i'm having an existential crisis i'm not okay <laughs> like yeah. my desk has to be a mess but there is one thing i have to have supremely tidy i've realized and that is the organization of my fabric now um for anyone who hasn't seen it i did confess and share the mess and then i went through a process of tidying it and i'm a big believer in the rolling of fabric because it means i can see all of my fabric all of the time and so even if everything else is quite sort of to the outside eye in mayhem, I can see every piece of fabric and that really helps me. But as long as my fabric is tidy and organised, then I feel OK. OK, so that's really interesting. I feel like I'm not too bothered if it's tidy, but I find the moment I stop fully knowing what is in my stash, I start to lose motivation. Mm. I don't care if it looks brilliant I just like knowing what I've got 
So a big thing I do if I'm struggling for motivation is I tidy my sewing room for the reason that I go, I don't just like wipe the surfaces. Yeah. I get all my fabric out and I go, what do I, I have? I call that a deep clean. In our family, there's two versions of cleaning. There's surface cleaning and deep cleaning. Okay. And that's like a deep clean in my in my head. Like so the I think I don't do and... it often. I'd say I probably do it about once a month. When I go in there and I just go, oh, my God, I can't. Now, one thing's really funny is Adam has noticed over the years that if I am not happy in a room, whether it's with the layout or how messy it is, like something in my brain doesn't work. Like I can't, I just mm -hmm. feel a bit sad and existential. Like this morning I was sat in the living room and I was like, and then I was like, do you know what? Actually, it's a mess in here. I was really struggling to write my PhD. And I was like, I'm going to take half an hour and I'm going to take all the recycling out. I'm going to hoover. And I'm going to move the washing. I'm going to open all the windows, just a bit of fresh air, like half an hour. And I suddenly was like, oh, okay, I can, I can think again. Yeah. But something about it blocks clean, yeah. everything for me. Yeah. That's, that's when I do my best cleaning is when I'm stressed. So I'm pretty sure my other half sometimes makes me angry or stressed just to make it happen. <laughs> to make you clean. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he knows that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. <laughs> um, hey, I've got one last one that I oh, yeah. think is quite a big contributor to sewing mojo. Okay. Now, I want to say this and I say this with love to all the sewing vloggers who I really love and who have... <laughs> We'll talk another time about how how much they've brought to my life, uh, particularly when I was going through a really difficult time. But actually, I have to be careful of watching too much and get in a sense that I'm not being productive enough. Yes. So this and, is a really interesting one. Yeah. Because I, I, I know it's a thing people are affected by. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. And I think it's because I have quite a good sense of what I can do. But I do get it a little bit when everyone's making a new pattern that I don't so like. New patterns, I, I understand other people get that. And I, I don't. But I think that goes back to um, like clothing trends because I never bought what was in fashion. So yeah. <laughs> I don't really bother about sewing what's in fashion. But I, it really surprised me that it happened to me because I didn't okay. think, A, I was competitive because I'm, I'm not a team sports player at all. Um, <laughs> and B, that I thought I was pretty good at not comparing myself to others, like in life in general. I've never been like a milestone person or anything. I, you know, Because I do think comparison can be a real thief of joy. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm the first person to say that. But I thought I was in pretty good place with that. And then suddenly I was watching all these lovely people who I really, you know, really enjoy. But I suddenly felt it. I had to really check myself. I felt it creeping in to myself. Mm. And, and I had that, to be really conscious of it. It does make it really hard as well, because mm. I think once you start going, I'm not sewing enough mm. or why aren't I doing then it, it, become, it stops being relaxing because you're like, yeah. oh, I need to do this. And I think as well, being a vlogger and being a sort of content creator, I have to be really careful. Obviously, both of us are in this mm. space, but I find I have to be really careful to make sure I am, not, I am sewing when I want to sew and creating what I want to create because mm. it can be really hard. You see so many things about you've got to schedule your content this way. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And I'm like, do you know what? As soon as I start trying to do what other people are doing, I stop liking it. Yes, me so too. So I have to remind yeah. myself and go, do you know what? 
I don't want to make that, so I'm not going to. No, and 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 I I I I purposely took a break a little while, uh, like back in I think it was like it was October twenty three. I actually took two weeks off vlogging because uh-huh. I needed to, I needed to check myself and I needed to review because even though it's really enjoyable and even though I love the engagement with everybody and with the um, sewing community, whether that's through socials or YouTube or Instagram. Mm. And it sparks my ideas. It really gets me going with other ideas. It's so close to tripping over to then into that productivity cycle. Um, And because I stepped out of a very intense job as well, I suddenly had a lot of spare time, which I was used to using for work. And I had to watch myself that I didn't just replace it with another aspect of productivity as well. <laughs> but that, that's a huge thing because both of us are very busy people. Mm. And I would say we quite like being busy. I do, yes. <laughs> um, like it's, it's a huge part of, of my life as I am. Everyone around me is like, why are you doing that as well? And you're like, yeah, my other half is like, what, what are you doing now? But it's not necessarily, I think for me, and I wonder if you're the same, there's a moment where... I have to be sure when I think about doing something and everyone goes, oh, you're doing loads to me. I'm like, oh, not really, because I like all of it. Yeah. But as soon as you have that, oh, God, I've got to do this and I've got to do this, you start to go, now, why am I doing this? Yes. And either you have to remember, it's because I really enjoy it and it's fun. Yeah. Like with YouTube, that's a big thing for me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I have to record. And then I go, do you know what? Actually, I I love recording. What am I doing? Like, stop martyring yourself. You enjoy this. Yeah. Um, and it, I think sometimes it can be really hard because you have to, at the end of the day, make what you want to make. So sometimes mm. I will film something where I'm just like, I'm going to sew and chat and we're going to see how we get on. And often those are the things that do the best. Yeah, or when I'm on yeah. Instagram and I go, do you know what, guys? I actually, I don't like this. Here is what I actually think. And people go, brilliant. It's not just me who feels it. Mm. And that's when you realise you found your people as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I I find like i i don't do all the sewing hashtags no me neither i I didn't know a lot of them existed i'll be honest yeah i mean i've seen them and then i was like oh do i want to join in so what i've done is taken a really conscious decision to join in with ones that spark my interest because actually like i joined in last year with hashtag sew up cycle 23 and i'm a big believer in upcycling um and i and 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 it just it gave me the kick in the bum i needed to actually do the upcycling that i'd been planning to do for about eight which is a great reason to take part (laughs) exactly and so again being really thoughtful about i'm doing this because it's helping me to to achieve what i want rather than i'm doing this because i feel pressure to take part and they're very close together and you've got to really watch yourself i think um and i think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we, we, I gain so much from having, as I call them, friends in squares, which is all the lovely people <laughs> that I might not have met in real life. Um, but with that, like with probably like everything in life, you just got to still keep a check on yourself that, you, as you say, you're doing things for the right reason, that you're being conscious about what you're doing, and and it kind of takes me all the way back round to what we were talking about before, and and like episode one, and and, and about the fast fashion. Mm. And I don't want to be a fast fashion sewer version. I don't want to be buying the fabric that comes out every time it comes out and the pattern. Yeah, 
and sewing and so and then ending up with a wardrobe of things that I've sewn because they felt fashionable or trendy or because everyone was talking about them yet I don't wear them because how Completely. is that different from me buying ready to wear well and that that's a huge thing as well and I think it's quite interesting because there is a difference here when we talk about sort of being a fast fashion serviced that isn't actually a comment on the speed you sew just to be no. clear um because as Sam knows you've seen me at the socials I sew really quickly yes <laughs> I don't try to sew quickly no. I just do I look up and I'm done and that's sort of that's how I sew because I get so into the zone I'm like mm. I'm gonna do this I've also pretty much stopped using pins because they make me stop and I don't like it. Um, but it's it's one of those things where it's fine to sew at whatever speed you sew. It's fine to create at whatever speed you create. It's about why you are creating mm. what you're creating. Because mm. I often see the fabrics that are in vogue and I see people make beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things from them. And I, for a second, go, oh, I could get that. And then I go, you don't like that. That those colours don't go with your wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. And you will never wear it again. So, mm. so, but you have to think about a big thing for me was thinking about well, when am I going to wear it? Yeah. Given how practical my job is. Well, I think we've been on a massive journey, Jess. We have. Shall we <laughs> underline our top tips? Would you say that's exactly what I was going to say? So, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I think my top tips are if you're lacking motivation and you just don't know what you want to do. I would recommend taking stock of your fabric, partially because it might help spark some new inspiration, but also sometimes it's nice to know what you've got, what you don't have, and it can help steer some direction. Tip two, I would take a step back and go do something else, whether that is literally going for a walk or, as Sam said as well, creating something. Just take a bit of a break. You might actually need one. And tip three would be a quick, easy sew that you can do in a day or that you're not going to have to sit down and then finish another day. So those are the, those would be my top three tips. Brilliant. So what I'm going to do, because you've offered three brilliant tips, is I'm going to offer a deeper one, like mm -hmm. a takeaway for like the longer term. Love that. So um, I would say consider why you you reach that point of sewing mojo. So it might be you want to journal for a bit because journaling is known scientifically to really help us with our thoughts. It might be you want to chat with a sewing friend. Um, it might be that actually you might want to, to, you know, have an internal dialogue about why you sew and why are you sewing what you really want to sew? Are you enjoying the journey? And have you unconsciously added some loaded pressures that you didn't know and all has has the sewing mojo come out of that so yeah yes, deep one there no but it's a great point because at the end of the day and i will say this until i am blue in the face sewing is not only a way of making clothes it is a skill it is a hobby mm. it's something you do for fun if it stops being fun it's not a hobby anymore so you need mm. to think about when it stopped being fun, if it, is, it has stopped, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. Really, as Sam says, have a think about it. I know for me, I realised that I was sewing things like my Friday Pattern Company Davenport is a great example. Everyone was wearing it. I wanted to wear it as well. It didn't want to wear me. And yeah. I had to think about the fact that actually, if I'd been sensible, I would have looked at it and gone, that isn't going to suit me in a million years. But you do need to sit and think about it. 
I think I will end on a comment that one of my lovely subscribers on YouTube wrote on my vlog, which is, it is exhausting if you're trying to say beautiful things all of the time. Exactly. Sometimes you say something that's just sort of fine. Yeah. And we're cool with that. Now, before we finish today, we have our very first, drum roll please, dilemma of the season. I'm ready, yes. What okay, dilemma so, have we got? Now, it's it's a nice sewing one today, so it's, it's not too existential after a bit of a heavy end of the episode. <laughs> it's nice and light, but it's give me one. Something, yeah, give me a palate cleanser. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, and it's a dilemma I think all of us have had. So our anonymous poster has said, I've made a skirt. And I've added the pockets in, but they're too low. Shall I unpick them and put them in the right place or leave them as they are? Now, we've all been here. Yes. As a short really... person, I've been there many times. Exactly. Can you be bothered <laughs> to move them? Because it's particularly if they're in seam pockets. Or Ooh, yeah. are they just going to be where they are and you're going to be stretching down a bit? What would you do, Sam? Hmm, I think it would depend on what I'd sewn like what it was for so okay. if it was let's take a dress that I was going to wear regularly like to work and to meetings I would move the pockets because I know I would use them and it would mm. annoy me every time I put it on otherwise and you might if, stop wearing it if you can't use them normally yep but if I was sewing it for wearing around the house and probably wouldn't use the pockets so much or it was more of a toile then I would just make a note for the future I think that's fair I think I'm going to add a slightly different version here or something to think about here now I am often a proponent of a uh, word I can't say on this podcast it'll be <laughs> fine um you know and just you know I'll be all right um, yeah I use that However, word a lot too, my <laughs> You have to think about the fabric and what it's going to do. So if your pockets mm. are too low and you put your phone in them, there is a chance it can stretch your fabric because they're mm. not where they're meant to be. Also, it can lead to that weird lopsided look. It can just look a bit strange. You don't have the support. I have one dress where I moved one pocket. I couldn't be bothered to move the other one, but I moved one because, um, as some of you will know, I carry an EpiPen everywhere. So I always have to have a pocket I can put it in at work. And when I put it in my other pocket, it was sort of too low to reach. And I kept missing the pocket when I went yeah. to put it in. <laughs> And so just throwing my EpiPen onto the floor and on one occasion down the stairs. Um, so think about what you're going to use it for. Think yeah. about your fabric. And if, you know, worst comes to the worst, just move the one you're going to use. If they're mm. in seam pockets, just just leave the other one and just move the one on your right or whatever. That you you're right about the fabric because if it's the wrong type of fabric, it won't cope well with being picked and unpicked and things as well. Yes, um, also that. like. I'm a big proponent of only doing what you have to, unless mm. you're a perfectionist. And so on that subject, of only work. doing what you have to, you <laughs> could just sew them up <laughs> and have and no stick pocket. a patch pocket on the front. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Look, I know pockets are fem a feminist issue, you know, and I'm a big believer in everything having pockets. However, sometimes you might just need to sew them up. <laughs> oh, also, by the way, guys, I'm a huge proponent in a big floofy skirt or you know something with a bit of volume i double the size of my pockets oh yeah or at least one yeah. of them i'll make them bigger and, and, I, and make I, sure 
I've gone and added pockets into things that didn't have pockets as well, yeah. you know. <laughs> Which is not difficult. I would say just find a patch pocket shape you like mm. and then just add it to everything. And the thing is, it's fine to remove them. It, we should say it does not make you any less of a feminist to remove your pockets. No, uh, it yes. just means that they might ruin the line of your skirt. Um, <laughs> but definitely have a think if you're putting them in my other tip would be before you sew in both pockets it doesn't matter where the pattern thinks the pocket should be try on one leg or one side or whatever it is put it against your body put your hand down and double check it's where it should be for yeah. you because there's all those lovely lengthen and shorten lines but they always forget you to tell you to move the pocket well i had to uh, completely change the size of a pocket in one pattern because they were the bird had to shorten the whole trouser the pockets were then so out they were like outside pockets like on the front they oh, were yeah. so out of proportion with my body because where everything else would shorten by like five inches the pockets oh, are ridiculous so i even had to resize the pockets just being 90 percent pocket <laughs> yeah i oh, looked like i was wearing someone else's trousers because of the pockets they just swamped me <laughs> do you know though i have to say best dress i own with pockets Nina Lee Carnaby. The whole front is a pocket. It's yeah. great. I have two little pockets at the front. They don't hang out to the side. They're not really annoying. And structurally, they're really strong because they're part of the skirt construction. Yes, I think we could do a whole episode just on pockets. I really do. Oh my god, yes. I'm I'm tempted to do like a blog post. Yeah. Like a joint one, the two of us, ten top pocket patterns. Uh, oh, I don't think there's ever been a sewing challenge, like a hashtag just about pockets, has there? I don't think there has, but I mean surely that is that is ripe for the making we should jump that is, on that you know a whole pocket hashtag right, yeah. just hashtag it's got pockets <laughs> oh yes I'm, I'm going away and searching that after this <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much folks for listening we've had such a great time chatting today uh we will be back in two weeks with yeah, another exciting great. episode for you yeah and next week we have a guest we, we won't do. tell you who it is yet though you've got to tune in to find out yeah, well, we will catch you soon with episode three. Fabulous. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Yeah.